Hello, my name is Anoa Changa. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Wednesday. I mean, I'm always on Wednesdays, right? It's the it's March 15th. We're so close to the Ides of March, aren't we? Like March 15th edition of The Way with the Noah. Um, really excited to be here. It's almost spring, even though it's freezing here in Georgia. And I know you northerners are probably like, stop you southern crybaby. But like 30 degrees in the south is really cold. Like, <laughs> thank God Max outgrew his goose down because I do have a coat. Um, yes, I take hand-me-downs for my son. Uh, struggle is real um, out here as a public interest lawyer, but um, so much going on tonight. So much going on usually. So much has happened. So much happening tonight. I'm really excited to be joined in a few minutes by Miss Portia Bolger of uh, Save Main Street. Um, so many different organizations and opportunities. Portia and I, um, if you guys have seen us on before, we had an interview. Um, well, actually, last year. We did a women's takeover night, um, myself and Stacey Hopkins and um, Kelly uh, Bacos, who used to be one of Ben's producers, and then Portia and then Molly um, who Grover, who joined us for Women from Thin from Women for Burning. Um, we had did this women's takeover night and had a really robust women's conversation. Ben, this is before I even started um, doing my own show, so Ben let us take over uh, the Benjamin Dixon show for International Women's Day last year. And that was really exciting. And then Portia and I also had a conversation post-Democratic convention um, in the summertime. Uh, some of you may know Portia because, well, Portia was, you know, the the viral, the viral grandma who went like she went she she went hard like during during the convention. Um, Portia was a delegate from Ohio. She, I mean, she's done so many things, right? So look, we're going to get into a conversation in a little bit. I just I did want to talk about two news points um, before we started chatting, but like. I have really appreciated our conversations and our the growth of our relationship. I, I'm going to be a little frank, and I'm I don't mean to embarrass us at all. Portia and I, when we were with Women for Bernie, we had a tense, we had a very tense few days, and we were able to what, what I think is beautiful, right? Conflict. Sometimes people are like, conflict is awful. We all just got to get along 100 percent all the time. But I think it's really beautiful about the growth that happens within this movement with all these different people coming together. Is that you can cooler heads prevail and that we're able to have conversations and that we can build out. And I really feel like after we had this tense moment, Portia and I have a tighter, you know, we have a greater respect. We have a greater relationship. And, and I look forward to the opportunities for us to build and grow further. So I'm really excited to talk to Portia tonight because one, we saw earlier this week, Senator Bernie Sanders, and this is one thing I want to talk about. So I'm transitioning here. Um, Senator Bernie Sanders did a town hall in um, McDowell County, West Virginia, um, as some of you may know, he was actually supposed to do this town call like several weeks ago, but at the last minute, um, allegedly, um, the the state, you know, they 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 canceled the venue at the last minute, so they weren't able to do the town hall. But it was rescheduled, and it happened. And shout out to Stan Williams and Animal Park and people who were able to actually go and see there. You know, shout out also to the folks in in, in Welch, West Virginia, and McDowell County and surrounding areas who participated and spoke their truth. We may not be happy with people for supporting Trump. 
I have mentioned several times, having lived in West Virginia for several years, I have colleagues, I have friends who voted for Donald Trump. They live in the world they live in. They have their reasons for doing so. We have had our tense arguments about it. Um, and it's very difficult with people that I have worked with and built with and I love as family, right? It's, 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 it's a challenge. Okay, sorry about that. See, another reason to donate to the way because we are trying to build it out and, you know, David and I are trying to make sure that we have our technology as up to date and awesome. Hey, good tip though. All you patrons, you helped me upgrade my, my internet so I can actually be in a completely different room than usual. So so there are things happening. I also got a new snazzy piece of equipment. I'll take a picture and show everybody um, that I have to learn how to actually use properly. But as I was saying, I was segueing into, you know, the Bernie Town Hall. And I know folks have already talked about it, but I personally wanted to talk about it because I lived in West Virginia. I know folks who have family from McDowell County. Personally, never been to McDowell County, but I've been down to Bluefield. I've been to the Southern Cove. I've been to areas in the Southern Cove Field. You know, I've been in Southern Ohio. Portia, we'll talk more about talk more about Appalachia and Southern Ohio when we talk some more. But it's just like what I did not like and what I saw some of the coverage, even from so-called other fellow progressives, is this whole notion that Bernie is like this, this saint that's coming to save these poor people who you know, are otherwise at their wits end. Like, this is what we need to understand. Just like, you know, we look at different, you know, underrepresented populations or different communities where that have been systematically disinvested, systematically, you know, pilfered, right? Like this, this is no different. Like when I look at what happens in Appalachia, particular West Virginia with the coal mines, West Virginia is the only state that's entirely considered in the Appalachian region, Right. Uh, when I look at what happens in terms of the coal mines in particular, right, and mining communities, it just reminds me of the same way that colonial powers pilfered places like Africa when they're when they're ripping the land of, you know, precious jewels and minerals and nothing is going back into the actual people and community that are doing that work. You see something very similar when you're talking about a place like West Virginia. You know, you listen to people talk about the coal and yeah, they love coal, but they don't love coal because they love coal. It's hard, honest work, right? It's hard, honest work, but it makes you make a very good living. I had several friends and in, in, in under, who who I knew during undergrad that were from West Virginia and law school whose whose parents were coal miners and they had a pretty decent, you know, middle class, working class, strong upbringing because of the work their fathers did. Was it hard work? Yes. Did it take a toll on their bodies? Yes. But they were proud, very proud. And these are, and I'm not talking about, oh, you know, people, people get real dismissive and stuff. Like I had several black friends who had fathers, you know, in the coal mines and stuff too. So like, it is so much more than no stupid people didn't know what they were doing when they voted for Trump or they just voted because they're racist. I mean, there's, 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 there's so many different layers. Some of that exists and all of that too. But at the same time, like, like, like I've seen people say, well, this dumb person thought that Donald Trump was really going to do something. When, when you have decades, when you have decades of your communities, you have decades of your people, your families, and there's no opportunity. No one is saying or doing anything different. And all you see is things drying up around you. When the youth, Right. Because that's the other problem in West Virginia. A lot of young people go up and out. We talked about this again when I, I went there for law school. We talked about this with, with one of my friends about how, like, you can't keep people. They, they can't attract people back to the state. Some people do go back because they feel like it's my home and I should be committed to helping making this better. And those are the type of people, you know, we see 
who who are like Paula, who there, there's a there's a video that people for Bernie and others have shared of Bernie's talking to this desperate woman and, and she's just so thankful that he's talking to her. So Paula is someone um, that I know that I met during the West Virginia water crisis. And she was extremely blessed and thankful to meet Bernie Sanders. I mean, who, who, who to get that one-on-one with Bernie to talk about an issue that's near and dear your heart? Yes, that's what so many of us as organizers and stuff would love to have that. But with someone you feel like who cares about your issues, you would love to be able to be, you know, in that conversation, no doubt. But what, what bothered me is the continuous depiction of her as this desperate woman. I mean, yes, arguably you could say that she's desperate in a sense that, you know, she's been trying all these different resources and outlets and, you know, this is, this is, this is her last attempt. But what I learned about living, what I learned from living in West Virginia and what I learned from being around people and watching, even though it's such an anti-environmental, like in terms of the response of like a lot of people in the business community and even the government, like this is a state government where we had the water crisis three years ago. It's been a little over three years since um, 300,000 people had their water source poisoned. And my family in particular was on bottled water, everything five and a half months before we moved to Atlanta. You had a you had our, our state public health official, right? One a part of the team that was supposed to be helping us deal with this, telling people that when they were reporting rashes and other issues from the water, that it was just because we were allergic because we hadn't been showering in like two weeks. So you weren't used to water touching your body. This is the type of information we were getting, right? There, there was so much so wrong. And this is this is a predominantly democratically elected state government at the time, too. So people say, well, the Republicans or it's a Republican state. Yes. In the past several election cycles, West Virginia has voted Republican in the presidential election cycle. But that up until 2014, understand West Virginia was democratically controlled in both houses and the governorship. In fact, the current governor is a coal baron. Okay, he was a he was a Republican coal baron up until about a year and a half ago before Joe Manchin and other Democratic elites switched his parties and put him in power. So let, let's let's not get it twisted about all this, like acting like one party's better than the other. Now, I'm not saying that it doesn't make sense to try to reform or do anything. I take no opinions personally on all that stuff. And I love to encourage and see people doing good work and getting out there. But what we can't just sit there and just write states off and just say it's this or it's this. Because when you really get down and look at what's happening in the night dynamics on the state level within the different parties, the reason why some people may continue to be Republican is probably because those are the people that show up and talk to them. Those are the people that show up and talk to them or... You know, I mean, there are different reasons or maybe they're Republican because their family was always Republican and they're not making the connections. But that's not an excuse. It's just a reality. And if we're saying that we're organizers, that we're really about bringing change about in America, this, that, and the other, we have to be willing to go to people like Bernie did and listen. Because that's what I really think the best takeaway is. It's not like, oh, Bernie got those Trump people to admit they were wrong. No. Hubris is bad for us, too. Okay. Doesn't matter whether we're technically right. It just, it just is it's not a good look and it's bad for us too. But what is important though is Bernie sat there and listened. He listened and then he formulated a question and helped people along to, to the answer. You see how that works? He wasn't going all strong arming like, well, I'm a Northern liberal elite and I know what's good for you and this is what you need to do clean energy. No. He walked people along, he listened to them, you know, and he kept going. And there are some people who are like, well, why is Bernie only talking to white people? Well, 
Um, I'm looking forward to seeing the, some of the footage from Stan Williams because there's not only white people. There is West Virginia is overwhelmingly white, but it's not only white. That's one thing. And I do agree with the criticism that we should be talking to working class people as a whole. And we did see that, what, two weeks ago when Bernie and others went down for the Nissan strike in Canton, Mississippi. The striking workers in Nissan are predominantly black workers. So I think we need to start steering the conversation towards protecting and dealing with, um, as the women, as the international women's strike leadership called it, a, like a feminism. We need an organizing of the 99%, right? Um, there are various issues and stuff that we do need to address per group. At the same time, we need to stand in solidarity with folks, but at the same time, letting people get into all this divisive nonsense, it just takes us away from what we need to be doing. We need to be organizing the block. We need to be organizing the holler, like I say, from the hood to the holler. Like there are a lot of issues. Like it was really interesting in my timeline on Facebook, seeing different people like my friends from Chicago and stuff remark that, wow, these stories from the town hall sound like they could be so-and-so here in Chicago. And that is what we need to understand. Political and economic elites do not want us to see the commonalities because then we would rise up and join together and they'd really be in trouble. Because if you really want to defeat Trump, you really want to set the country on a better path for all of us, that's what we need to have. And so that's why, even though one of my close friends who I love dearly and I've known her children since they were like six and eight or whatever, and we've taken care of each other's kids when they're sick and all types of stuff, even though she was... I hate Hillary. I'm voting for Trump person. We have been able to talk through our differences. And now she's very upset with that standpoint. But we've been able to talk through our differences. But at the end of the day, I know that there are people who make decisions and we're not going to agree with all of them. Right. Because I have friends who are very diehard Hillary, too. And I did not agree at all and did not really want to talk to them for a long period of time. But at the end of the day, if we're going to move the needle and do the things that we need to do to have better for all of us. We have to work with who we can work with. Now, I'm not saying that we got to settle and do some unity commission, fake uh, uh, trans transition committee stuff like Tom Perez did tonight. What I'm saying is that we really need to start talking to people about issues and work with those people who are willing to work with us. Just plain and simple. Um, I, I'm less concerned about who's in the party, who's not in the party. Can we can we work together on these issues? Because we've seen a lot of folks work together across party lines, collaboratively, all types of stuff happening. And I really think that's possible. And that's what we need to build building on. The other thing that happened today, um, or actually yesterday, but uh, uh, the Ohio's 20-week abortion ban took effect. Um, and, and as of right now, it says there's no signs of a lawsuit challenging the new abortion restrictions, probably because people have been so busy dealing with every other monstrosity that's come down the pipeline from the Trump administration but remember, last year, going into the election, there was this whole thing about moderate Republicans and, oh, my God, you know, John Kasich is such a, you know, moderate, you know, Republican. And he's so good. And he doesn't like Trump and blah, blah, blah. But then we saw this bill get signed into law. So Ohio 20-week abortion ban is pretty much basically banning abortion um, post 20 weeks. It says physicians who violate the law face a fourth degree felony charge punishable by up to 18 months in prison. Um, doctors could also be sued by women who they perform the illegal abortions on or by the fathers of the fetuses themselves. So it definitely going to continue to see if this is actually something that will get challenged more than likely 20 week abortion bans generally do not stand up upon challenges. Um, so we'll see, but as we've seen with the ACLU and other organizations, they've been very busy dealing with, you know, the Muslim ban and 
the immigration raids and everything that's come down. But it'd be really interesting to see, you know, what NARAL and other uh, other leading organizations do actually do. And um, yeah, I mean, I really think that we need to get past this whole trying to appease the right and this, that, and the other. You know, there have been a few articles recently, like swinging left is not the way to defeat the right. It's total bullcrap. We can we talk to actual people and what they want. They want jobs. They want health care. They want good schools for their kids. You know, they want decent food available in their communities, right? Like a lot of people want the same things, whether we agree on everything across the board. No, but but, but there's probably like the five basics. Like we probably have five basics and we could get a, a general consensus on those things. And that's how we start building a movement that's successful of the 99%. And then we keep working on all those other issues that we got to. We can't put things on hold. We can't hope and pray that somebody is going to decide they're going to join us because our cause is worthy. We got to keep grinding out and building out the movement as we can. So with that, because I said a mouthful, I'm going to bring on Miss Portia Bolger. Um, very excited to talk to Bolger. I'm actually, I'm, at, I'm very excited to talk to Portia also because Portia actually had an exclusive on Inside Edition tonight. Um, so Portia can tell us a little bit about, about that. And then we'll talk some about Save Main Street and Appalachia Rising. Portia. Hello. Hi, how are you? Doing well, thank you. Great to be back with you, Noah. Thank you so much for being here, Portia. I always, like I said before, I'm just so thankful that you and I, you know, were able to grow past our little rough patch, and we got to meet at the People Summit, and we have continued to build and and, and be sisters. And I'm, I'm like I said, I'm just so grateful for for your work and your voice. So thank you. Thank you, and you know, um, I'm glad you brought that up because in in, in the process of all of us across the country trying to build unity. We, I believe that it's really important for people to at least give consideration to the fact that real friends disagree with each other. If you're going to be a real friend, that's just a part of being a friend. And so um, in the process of working with others, and in particularly we're trying to reach out to people who voted for Trump, it's beautiful to hear you talking about a friend who you're trying to work through this process with. And it's about trying, it's about not giving up and not holding grudges. You know, just because people disagree, that's a part of the world. That's a part of living. It's a part of working with people. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I definitely agree. And it's, it's, it's weird. It's not easy to have another one, have another friend who posts my, I said, Lauren, I'm going to have to unfollow you now because she's, she's, um, we're Facebook friends, but I'm like, I can't, she shares stuff from Milo. And I'm just like, dude, really? She goes, he's so funny. I'm like, dude, seriously. I, I, I was like, Lauren, I can't with you. And these are very educated, you know, like, but, but I'm just like, you know what? I'm not going to fight with you about this because I do know on all these other things, I'm just not going to follow you. Um, so I don't have to see these things in my timeline anymore. And, and But there are a lot of people I know who know I'm very, they know I'm very passionate. I have, a, I have quite a few conservative folks um, in my life and they know I'm very passionate or they're more like liberal Hillary leaning folks. They know I'm very passionate about my politics and they do the same thing. They either just like mute me or unfollow me or we're still friends. We still talk about the, the basic building blocks of life. But um, and we look for ways where we can work with each other. And if we can't work with each other, we know we just we just set that aside. Um, it's 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 a it's a lesson I think we need to learn in this quote unquote movement building we're all doing. I don't think it's going to be 100 percent kumbaya. And that's fine. We have to learn how to work through, you know, the, the challenges. 
Yeah, I know um, since the primary, and um, I think you know I'm a member of the Ross County Democratic Executive Committee. Mm -hmm. It's been really hard. It's been very hard. These are people that I've known all my life, and I love them. I care about them. They're salt of the earth people. There's a few of them that are assholes. I'll just be honest. But the majority of them are really, really good folk. And I haven't been able to um, gather with some of these folks because I'm still, even now, very raw. I mean, my emotions are extremely raw over what took place during the primary. I can't just say, oh, gee, you know, everything's okay now because it's not. However, there's a group of really cool progressives in my community, and we email each other back and forth. It's kind of like a chain conversation. And um, it's really cool. Sometimes it's easier to talk to people when you're not sitting with them. But little by little, those feelings, uh, my feelings of um, anger, disappointment, dismay more than anything, confusion. How can we possibly, as a Democratic Party, support someone who takes money from the private prison industry, who doesn't support $15 an hour minimum wage? You can barely survive on $30,000 a year. So those things are still in the forefront of my mind. But what's more in the far forefront of my mind is organizing the Appalachian Voice, building voting blocks. And you look across this country, Anoa, and... Um, we got a whole lot of haulers. You know, we've got them here in Southern Ohio. We've got them in West Virginia, Kentucky. But anywhere where there's mountains, there's haulers. And there's people just like me and just like, I, I'm not sure where you grew up. Did you grow up in New York or did you grow up in West Virginia? <laughs> um, I grew up in New York and Chicago. And I did one year in West Virginia in high school. And then I later went back again. So I've lived in West Virginia a total of eight years. <laughs> well, earlier you mentioned about the, some of your friends in Chicago saying that could be just like us. Well, yeah. Uh, I, um, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so that was one of the things that I came to. You go ahead. They come from Appalachia. They moved up north uh, during the Industrial Revolution when the farming industry was suffering and uh, trying to get better jobs. So I, I don't think we're all Appalachia, but there's a heck of a lot of people who may not live in the Appalachian area, but they come from the mountains. Right. They come from the country folk. They come from the holler. And these people are good folk. I know a lot of people who voted for Trump. And they are not horrible, evil people. They just really, really despised Hillary. Uh, they couldn't trust her. I mean, these are things they've told me. Right. And, and, uh, and they, unfortunately, they trusted Trump. Well, and now we see. Right. And that was part of the problem, too. Like, like I had someone tell me that, you know, I voted for Trump the same reason why you voted for Obama, because you wanted a change. You didn't want the same old thing. And when people are saying that my things are happening in my community and it's not changing. Right. It has either gotten worse or has just consistently been bad. Your candidate telling me they're going to keep things exactly the same is only further depressing me. And that was a very interesting viewpoint to hear from that. But here's the other problem with only treating certain states and certain groups of voters as important, as well as just the lack of attention in talking to people and talking to people about the issues that matter, right? We saw a lot about Trump's character and granted his character is awful, but for a lot of people, they don't care, right? There's a lot of people with bad character. 
And, and, and what they what they care about is whether or not they have a job or whether or not they can eat. Like like one of my friends was pointing out, West uh, the largest employer in West Virginia in a lot of areas is Walmart. So they're losing, you know, these skilled, you know, high paying jobs, whether it's in the mines or something affiliated to that industry for Walmart. And, and, and that's a problem. And that's not even full time hours. Right. We're talking about part time, no benefits at Walmart. Yeah. And, and another thing, too, is that and I really love how you don't let the Democrats off that it's it's not just the Republicans. We've got Democrats who are racist. We've got Democrats who are sexist. And uh, when you talk about jobs, um, the Democrats had in the first two years of Obama's first administration, they just really let the ball down. They could have pushed. I know that they have like Harry Reid, for instance, the Equal Rights Amendment is most likely it's ninety nine point nine percent sure that the Equal Rights Amendment will be ratified in Nevada next week. It's already passed one house. I can't remember if it was the Senate or the House. And if Harry Reid had wanted to, he has enough influence in that state that that could have happened a long time ago. They, I know they can't come in and tell the states what to do, but let's face it, he has a lot of power in Nevada. How about Nancy Reid? How about, um, I'm getting so aggravated, I can't think of her name. Uh, she's been in the Senate for years. Feinstein in California. What are they doing for women? What are they doing for women like us? What are they doing for women that are working those Walmart jobs? They're not doing a damn thing for them. And they need to go. And people say, oh, my God, but we've got to have them. No, we. So I was also wondering, Portia, I think we might have lost you for a second there. But, like, I mean, you make a really good point. And actually, Portia, one of our earlier conversations last year, you were the first one. Um, I actually should have grabbed this picture. I completely forgot to, to grab that for David. But but there's an iconic photo of what I call it iconic, um, whether it actually is it, it should be. Portia was one of the first women or the first woman. It was the Carpenters Union in Ohio, was it, I think? Yeah, um, I wasn't first, but I was one of you was you're one of the first, right? In the beginning, yes. Right. And and the but the thing you taught me, you you you, you explained to us about um I think it was like me, you, maybe Molly, I can't remember, it was a group of us talking, and you were just talking about how union how union labor is so crucial to having good jobs for women, right? And I mean, that makes sense when you think about union jobs, but I just never thought about the, the importance of union labor in, 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 in terms of, you know, women's employment and, and opportunity and stuff for our families. And I was like, oh, that's a really, that's a really neat point that I never thought of before. Yeah, it's the only place where women get paid equal. Mm. People pay for equal work. The only place is in the union. And uh, what, what, what have the Democrats done to protect the unions? You know, they, we've got a lot of work to do in the Democratic Party, enormous amount. And I think the first step is to actually be willing to take a look at what we've done wrong. How right. can we correct ourselves if we don't look at our mistakes? And it just, you know, with Tom Perez being elected as the DNC chair, I, I just couldn't believe it. But the good news, the good news for Ohio is that it was... Uh, a 6-5 vote in Ohio for Ellison. And that really makes me happy. It really, really, it gives me hope. And um, I think, I don't know if you mentioned earlier, I've organized a uh, grassroots group here in Ross County called Appalachians Rising. And um, 
we're moving. We're doing something. We've got people coming from five and six counties, and they have committed to meet every two weeks. And that is phenomenal. We've got people driving up from Point Pleasant to Chillicothe, from Guyot County, from Meigs County. That's where I believe Point Pleasant's in Meigs County. Mm -hmm. And they are sitting down at a table, and we are talking, not only talking about, but developing plans. We're going to form a lobby committee. Mm -hmm. And my goal, all of our goal, I shouldn't say my, it's we, right? Um, we're going to hopefully get a minimum of 50 people who will go to the state house and lobby like this abortion bill that just went through. Right. They're trying to bring right to work in Ohio. Um, the one thing that Kasich is doing correct is he's fighting for Medicaid, Medicare expansion, Medicaid expansion. Mm -hmm. But he, I loved it that you mentioned about, oh yeah, everyone thought Kasich was the conservative in the in the primary with the Republicans. Well, he's not a conservative. He's a Coke boy. He bends and kisses their ring. And his agenda, other than this Medicaid expansion, is Coke. Our state is controlled by the Koch brothers, as are, I don't know how many other states across mm -hmm. the country. So Several we, others. Yeah. We've got to organize on Main Street. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm a proud member of Safe Main Street and now Appalachians Rising. We have a Twitter feed now and a Facebook page. And in less than three weeks, we're getting, we're over 800 followers on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And that's phenomenal. So if y'all don't know why she's dropping her stats, Portia is also a, a Twitter, a Twitter social media guru. <laughs> uh, interact with the people on there. Interact with them. Um, so tell me, so let's back up a little bit. Tell me a little bit about Save Main Street and Appalachian. Like, cause, cause we haven't talked since you guys, you and Annabelle started Save Main Street. So tell me a little bit about Save Main Street. What's, 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 what's the idea behind that? And some of the things, um, well, there's a lot of different things, but some of the main is to, of course, educate. I'm so sorry. I have a clue. No, no, you're, you're okay. I know you have, your allergies were acting up yesterday, too. I apologize. I've had a terrible cold for three weeks. Oh, but, no, you're um, fine. Save Main Street is there to educate people, of course, through social media. But there's, there's Annabelle's all over the place. I can't keep up with the woman. By the way, happy birthday, Annabelle. Today. Oh, that's right. Happy birthday, Annabelle. And Molly Grover's in, involved, and David okay. Hendrick, and several other people, and um, we're, we're working uh, on several different things. One is to try to help figure out ways for people to get training, because a lot of people don't know how to organize. They mm -hmm. want to, and um, shifting with trying to fight back with Trump. You know, it, mm -hmm. one of the sad things about this shock and all very effective, I will say, uh, Bannon, the, the devil in the White House, um, he's very good at uh, creating shock and awe. And so people are kind of scrambling, but at the same time, they're organizing. And uh, like you were saying about, haven't seen anything about a lawsuit in Ohio yet in, you know, kind of piggybacking off of your thoughts there. But St. Main Street is a very, very... Um, beneficial and very powerful tool uh, just through social media. You know, I run the Twitter feed for Save Main Street mm -hmm. and then um, 
we just are constantly trying to figure out ways to bring people together and to help people understand that we have to organize on Main Street. We have to help people understand that they can run for office. Um, what Appalachians Rising is doing is very parallel with, say, Main Street, other than I'm here on the ground in Ross County. But there, I was talking to a woman yesterday, uh, amazing woman, Carolyn Casper. And um, I'm not quite sure how old Carolyn is, but she's older than me. She's been around the block more times than I've been. <laughs> and she ran for city council in Upper Arlington. And she is... You think I have a powerful voice? Oh, baby, I feel like a little baby when I'm oh, around really? Oh, she just, and she is pushing, pushing, pushing women in particularly to run for office. I mean, she just walked in there and decided she was going to run. And, and Upper Arlington is a very wealthy area here in our community at, or in, in Franklin County. And uh, she did it. She's there. And she she's going to be coming down to Chillicothe um, my daughter Tammy is very heavily involved in getting the Equal Rights Amendment ratified and a co-director okay. for uh, ERA action. And I'm really excited. Um, we have a really wonderful club at our Ohio University Chillicothe branch called SAGE. And that stands for Students Advocating for Gender Equality. And they okay. are, we've all gotten together, several grassroots groups here and uh, donated money to be able to bring Pamela Lopez, who is the, the director of the film Equal Means Equal. Have you heard of it? No, About but I have to check that out. Amendment. Okay, okay. It's, it's a very powerful documentary, and um, Pamela is actually going to be here. And that is a big deal, that she's coming to a little community uh, to talk to have a talk and a Q&A with the people in our community about the Equal Rights Amendment. And so Appalachians Rising, going back to that, is doing a whole lot of stuff. One of our committees is the Equal Rights Amendment. One of our okay. committees is voting, voter outreach. The importance oh, nice. of the dots. And that's how we build our base. I'm hoping that we will get enough people by spring to actually knock on people's doors, not to ask them to vote for anybody, but to approach them with, hello, I'm your neighbor. I'd just like to have a conversation with you about what's going on in our community. Would mm -hmm. you give me a few minutes? Mm -hmm. And then of course we will have voter registration forms, make sure people are registered. But we're not gonna talk to them about their politics. We're just gonna ask them to register to vote. And we're going to ask them to have a conversation and help them through really soft, soft talk. Not, oh, my God, how can you be a Republican? How can you right. vote for Trump, blah, blah, blah. But how can we together build our community? And that opens up a door to talk about connecting the dots with the power of your vote after election day people mm -hmm. don't realize the power that they have as voters when you call your state rep or your federal reps one of the first things they want to know is where do you live right because they want to know if you vote for them absolutely so if we can help people understand that their voice matters after election day if they use it and so that's what we're hoping to do in addition a committee 
to help get people to run for office, to recruit, train, and importantly, teach people how to help people to get elected. And one of the first things that the Democrats need to know is you don't bring somebody from the big city down here to Ross County to run a candidate's office. It's craziness. Quick example, this past election, my daughter was working for the Democrats canvassing. Mm -hmm. and, or was it this time or was it the, anyway, one of the recent times. And one of the guys that came, really nice fella, comes to Ross County. He's never been in a county. He's never driven down a gravel lane. And if the person who was riding with him hadn't been with him, he said he would have started crying because he felt like he was in deliverance. But what he saw was old beat up trailers. He saw, right. you know, people in, you know, five, six, seven cars in their yards, old appliances. These people are poor, mm -hmm. but it scares them. It scares them. That's what it does. So we've got to have people come. We've got to help people in our own communities get the training to do this kind of work. Absolutely. I mean, that's what's going to turn this all around is uh, we, we've got to get back to the basics. You know, everyone's like, oh, defeat <laughs> what's really interesting is like just in the past several days, the different articles and stuff from last year and posts from last year when um, Chicago, when you had the Chicago Trump resistance, you had the anti-racism protests, anti-Trump protests that happened in Chicago. Um, and you saw, you know, protesters that decided they were not going to let hate exist in their city. And I mean, these were protesters that that organized from so many different groups. You had folks who were behind the Buy Anita campaign. You had, you know, Muslim students who organized. You had um uh, uh, members of Surge, and uh, I mean, just you had you had some people who supported Bernie. I mean, just just a huge diverse group of people came together, and and what what we saw with that incident, we saw with, we saw this one a couple other times too, where the protesters would actually get attacked by Trump supporters. Trump supporters would actually be, and and this is not to this is this this is I'm only thinking about the resistance aspect of this, right? I'm not you know doing a broad brushstroke about everyone who supports him, but like we would see the police intervene on behalf of the supporters against the anti-racism protesters, right? They were they were pre-resistance before resistance was the end thing to do, right? And and we saw so many people who are now like resist resist. These, there were so many of these same people now were chastising these young folks. Were chastising people like, why would you, why would you, you know, resist him or why would you protest him? And that became such an in vogue thing to do post election cycle, right? And so many, and and obviously um, part of that whole incident was um, we'll have a few minutes to talk a little bit just about James Woods, um, you know, giving giving bullies a taste of their own medicine. But 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 what was just interesting, what you just said, though, we would not have been at a point we were at last summer or last spring had we not given up on talking to people in the communities and helping our neighbors be able to talk to each other. Right. Because I think what you said was just so valuable. You can't just bring some, you know, fresh out of whatever upper tier school kid you have and drop them in our community and think that that's going to make this seal the deal for your candidate. We need to just, we need to not just turn out people to vote for candidates. We need to build the human capacity or support the capacity that already exists and, and, and encourage and nourish people, right? 
to actually be involved and engaged because it's that disengagement and that decreased involvement that has led to the situation that we have now where we have a president who would rather tweet angrily at rappers at six o'clock in the morning than actually making real decisions that benefit and uplift Americans versus bringing them further down. So I, I really like that point that you said that you just had about working with people. So just, I know you, we talked a little bit about this before, but so tell me a little bit more just about the dynamics of the um, Appalachian Rising group, the people that you've brought together um, and, and, and next steps for you guys. Well, it started with, um, I organized Appalachians Rising in November, I believe it was, no, or October. Okay. And then we, we had a unity peace gathering, and we had maybe 40. The Oklahoma Senate has suspended nearly all of Ralph Shorty's privileges as a lawmaker following revelation. Attend an event, it's considered a really big success. And, um, there were a whole lot of things going on in Ohio. We would have had a lot better attendance, but a lot of people were in the Democratic Party in particular were uh, obligated. And then um, we had this, we, we hosted a sister's march. And as a result of the sister's march sprang forth all of these people who are willing to come and sit down at the table and actually do the hard work. Um, like I said earlier, if you get 50 people to show up in Ross County and Chillicothe, that's really good. So I was hoping for 50 to 75. That's what I was hoping for. Well, we had over a thousand people show up here in this little place. And there was 27 counties in Ohio represented. There was five or six different states. I know that people drove here from West Virginia and Pennsylvania. Now, some of those others may have just been passing through. They may have been visiting relatives. I don't know. But to have over a thousand people in the street in Chillicothe is phenomenal. So that just, just brought energy springing forth from everybody. And people who are coming to these meetings now, we, we scheduled a, a meeting two weeks after the march to keep that fire going. And by God, they came. And um, some of the people that are at the table have never been to an organizing meeting in their life. There's several in the room that have said that if their bosses knew they were there, they would be fired. We have young we have old, we have black, brown, white, we have lesbians, we have straights, we have people who are very, very religious, and people who are atheists. And how cool is that, huh? In Ross County, that we're bringing that kind of diversity to the table. And um, we've just got all, we've got people from all walks of life. We have two or three attorneys that are coming. We have a physician. And so, and we've got people who are unemployed, who are very poor. So we're really bringing the demographic to the table and people are feeling their power. They're just starting to feel it. And so I believe strongly that we're going to be able to do a whole lot in our community because we have some good Democrats in office and we have Democrats that um, are not so good. We have some Republicans in office that are pretty decent people and we have others that are Tea Party minded and we've just got to get rid of them. And how do we do that? We help people understand the power of their vote. 
and we get them involved. We get them to attend their city council meetings. We get and our Ross County commissioners. Right now, a budget that's coming down from Kasich is horrific. It's going to just devastate our county schools in particularly. It's going to devastate city governments and little towns across the country, uh, across the state. And so people really, really need to be able to connect to this. And I believe that as horrible as it is, it will be a great opportunity to help people connect what's going on to their own kitchen table and to their children. When you mess with kids, people's kids, you tend to get an opportunity to get their ear and to help and they want to do something to save their children's education. Mm -hmm. So that's, I hope I've answered the question about Oh yeah, that sounds great. Um, and, and, and if anyone, if you have folks who are in Ohio, if you guys want to know more about Save Main Street or um, I think David may have dropped the, the Twitter handle, um, I'll definitely tweet out links and stuff and we'll share. Please put Appalachians Rising up. Yeah, and I'll do Appalachians Rising as well. So just real quickly, because we're running out of time because Ben is coming right behind me. Um, just real quickly. So you filed suit this week against James Woods for, for everyone who may not remember. Um, there was a big kerfuffle last year. They're like, again, as part of that whole Chicago anti-racism, anti-Trump march protest, um, there was a picture that went viral of this older white woman with white hair um, doing, you know, the sick hot, the, 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 the Nazi suit. Right. Um, and Eric, it was I think it was Eric Trump. Right. Donald Trump Jr. It was Donald Trump doing it. I knew it was one, it was one of the two of them. <laughs> I, had, I, had, I guess wrong. But, but Donald Trump Jr. tweets out and insists that it's Portia, right? And they, they, have, they have pictures of Portia up and, 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 the, and all, these, all these Twitter trolls, everyone runs with it. And James Woods gets... And James Woods gets, in, and gets involved in this all somehow as well. Right, Portia? Yeah, well, what and happened, like, as I understand it, is a guy by the name of he goes on Twitter by um, Vox, V-O-X, Day. Mm-hmm. Okay. As far as we can figure out, he was the guy who put up the first tweet. And it was a tweet okay. of Bridget, the woman who did the Heil Hitler sign at the University of Chicago last year and right. in March. And it happened to be the same weekend as GOTV and Chilla Coffee, Ross County, in Ohio, mm-hmm. I should say. And I was uh, right. helping organize that. And I was there that night. I was at the IBEW Hall working with G- for GOTV for Bernie. But mm-hmm. I got accused of, through this tweet, of being the Bridget. They went on People for Bernie's website and took a screenshot of me. Mm-hmm. And that screenshot is when my hair was long. And it was from two years prior to that that the picture actually came from. Right, because your hair was actually short yes, last year at that yeah, time, too. Right? Yeah, actually, than it is right now. And I need a haircut. Mm-hmm. But um, so, and I know it came from people for Bernie because of the background. Right. They, they had right. like little tiny red and white stripes in their background. And mm-hmm. so they popped it up there beside Bridgette. And then he puts out something like Bernie. Bernie infiltrator is really Portia Bolger um, and mentioned women for Bernie. And so then Donald Trump Jr. retweeted it and he made it. He he did two tweets and made comments Mm -hmm. referring back to me. And then James Woods also did it. And Mm -hmm. Donald Trump Jr. Well, I got an attorney and um, he wrote demand letters to both of them. 
and the demand was for them to take the tweets down and to apologize to me publicly. Mm-hmm. And so Donald Trump Jr. did it quickly, but James Rude, James Woods would not. And in addition, he came back with three more tweets. And, and the, almost, let's just, just real quickly, almost like immediately within that whole flurry of stuff going on, there were actually legitimate news articles that had already identified who the woman was that people yeah, were also trying it. to get them to look at and they were ignoring that and just going with this whole Bernie infiltrator narrative. Yeah, Vox Day actually came out and corrected himself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it, the, the university or the Chicago Tribune brought it, brought it out who Bridget was. And so they knew. And uh, Trump Jr. did apologize on Twitter. It wasn't the greatest sincere apology, but I've he been the first time anybody in the Trump family's ever apologized for anything, at least publicly. <laughs> so um, my attorney thinks that's a really big win. Mm-hmm. But uh, James Woods doesn't think he has to apologize. And one of the tweets he, other tweet he brought out that just infuriates me is he said on Twitter that I reached out to him and asked him to give me support and ask his Twitter followers to support me. Well, you know what? I'm not a victim. I'm a survivor. And survivors do not reach out to their oppressors. So that every time I think about it, it puts more fire in my stomach mm-hmm. because how dare he? So, yeah, I, I did file suit. It was on March the 3rd. And um, you mentioned uh, Inside Edition. That didn't air today. I guess they did more editing than they, I don't know why, but it'll be on tomorrow. Okay. It was a nice interview. And, and it made me really happy that they reached out to me. I'm not into in this for notoriety, but I want to be able to tell my story. Mm-hmm. And the reason I want to be able to tell my story is that, I guess I'm, I'm lucky in that I've been given some courage, maybe that some other people don't have. And my story is this, when someone oppresses you, it's very important, even if you're scared to death, because I'm afraid to know, it scares me. Mm-hmm. These people are very powerful people. Absolutely. We have two choices, in my opinion. We either shut our mouth and crawl into a little space, you know, and don't venture out. Or we stand up. My father taught me to be honest, to work hard, and to never let anybody push me around. Absolutely. And I'm really thankful. If we're honest and we work hard and we don't let others push us around, I think we're going to be all right in the end. But it's not easy. But I know one thing. James Woods Jr. is well known for being a misogynistic, racist bigot. And if I can show the world that people don't have to put up with this. That's my story. That's my story. Well, that's that's beautiful. And I'm definitely going to have to have you come back again. But I have to put a pin in it right there because I'm running past time and Ben is coming after me. Paul, uh, 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 Portia, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me this evening. I'm definitely going to follow up with you because I have like, my mind is buzzing now with three things now for us to work on. Um, this has been The Way with Noah. I appreciate you guys very much. Oh, one more thing. Ohio's on fire for Nina Turner and we want her to run for governor. Well, then now that's four things that we need to talk about. So yeah. Ben is coming right after me. And if anyone's up late at 11 p.m. Eastern time, um, I will shoot out a link which channel I'm on. But I am going to be talking with Kenneth Mia about uh, the congressional California congressional 34 district race uh, Green Party candidate. So that's a special I'm doing a special 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 for him uh, on East Coast time. So. All right. I'm sorry, David. I'm sorry, Ben. Good night, guys. Bye. 
Bye-bye, thanks.